This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm dating myself here, but I still think a lot about that speech that Meryl Streep's character gives in The Devil Wears Prada. It's the blue sweater speech. What you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. So Streep plays a thinly-veiled Anna Wintour-type character at a not-so-thinly-veiled Vogue. And Anne Hathaway plays the fish-out-of-water assistant who thinks fashion is unimportant. See, you think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back, but... I mean, not wrong. Anyway, the speech continues into a whole thing about how trends are born. Then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets. I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. But that was almost 20 years ago. And these days, we've got nothing but choice. Coastal Grandmother is the vibe. Coastal Grandmother is Martha Stewart adjacent. And the Anna Wintours of the world, they don't have all that much they can do about it. So what is GORPCORE? GORP, which stands for Good Old Raisins and Peanuts, is a style focusing on outdoor and utilitarian wear. How to dress mermaid core. The easy part is finding shell, pearl, and starfish accessories. Let's talk about the ballet core starter pack. These are what items you're going to need to add to your wardrobe if you want to partake in this little ballet core trend. You want to start a trend? You're one social media account from the possibility of it being a thing. It's been all over Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, you name it. It looks like Claymation Christmas, if it, you're familiar. It looks like Mario <laughs> Brothers. I don't know. So are trends dead? Are we killing them with an avalanche of clickbait, fast fashion nonsense? Or is Gen Z completely disinterested in being told what they have to buy? And can the current state of fashion help us understand the state of the economy? I'm Audie Cornish, and this is The Assignment. So lest you think my references deeply unfashionable, I brought in an expert. So I'm a fashion trend forecaster, right? And a lot of trend forecasting happened um, within that runway analysis, like seeing what is starting to pop up in the runway and then seeing a pattern and then saying, OK, this is where things are going. This is Augustina Panzoni head of trends at a media company called Death to Stock. She's successfully predicted some Gen Z trends on TikTok. And we have Terry Nguyen, who wrote an article for Vox called Trends Are Dead. I am a journalist covering consumerism, culture, and tech, and I'm currently writing for Dirt, a Web3 media company and daily newsletter on culture and entertainment. So we started talking about that blue sweater speech. 
with the democratization of fashion and the internet and social media had a big role in that, consumers are starting more and more to have a voice in what is trending and a voice in the fashion conversation. Um, and that democratization you're referring to is just basically influencers, right? Getting those Tumblrs, blogs, Instagram, yeah. being powerful voices in their own right. Exactly. Um, also, not I mean, not only influencers at this point, because when you think about TikTok, right, we, you not, might not have a following at all, but your video might go viral um, because of how the TikTok algorithm works. I think algorithms are playing a big role in fashion discovery right now. And that is allowing people to find things that they like and share it faster than before. So the runways, they're losing relevance. And when you think about the last fashion month, um, the way that they're really turning to gimmicks, you know, to capture that attention. You're seeing clothes burning down the runway. You're seeing robots in the runway. The focus is becoming more about the viral moment than the pieces themselves. Yeah. In addition to the runways no longer holding as much sway, you also have to think about how clothes are being produced and the pace of that production and how so many fast fashion companies look to the algorithm as a site for where new trends and new kind of styles are emerging. Coupled with that, the casual consumer has so many reference points. Um, they're not only looking at magazines, which is kind of where the devil wears Prada quote rings true, but they're looking at an array of kind of influences. They're no longer having, they no longer need to open a magazine. They just can go on any website or any site. So there's many more places to look for your inspiration. So what does that mean for you two? So the job of a trend forecaster is becoming increasingly difficult, more so in the fashion world. Um, I just came back from South by Southwest, and there's been a lot of conversations about fashion and fashion trends. And I've seen some insights on a lot of the new aesthetics that are popularized via social media. And this idea that people are coming up with their own aesthetics online, making fake trend reports about them. Those trend reports go viral. They get press, you know, and then we have these aesthetics that supposedly are the biggest thing right now. So that's um, helpful. That means when I'm watching TikTok and all of a sudden somebody's like, oh, um, I'm into, uh, I don't know, sandwich core. And yeah, I always want to exactly. be dressed like a sandwich. And you're like, this seems like a scam to me, but maybe the youngs are onto something. And you're like trying to justify it because it seems like it's gone viral. Exactly. You're saying, no, it's definitely BS. Like, um, uh, I don't have to worry. Exactly, exactly. At that conference, this trend forecaster, his name is Matt Klein. Um, he talked about how we're confusing the way that trends work. It's with speed of how fast a trend gets popularized and the way that it becomes viral, the amount of people that are like seeing that trend versus the way how a trend usually works, which is slowly, you know, it starts building up. It's, it's not just a conversation. It's not just one viral video. It's something that we start embracing in our lifestyles. There's a big disconnect of what's happening online and what's Happening on the street, in real life, or mm -hmm. in the clearance bin mm -hmm. <laughs> of the mall. Terry, are trends dead? <laughs> it, are trends BS? We don't want to put Augustina out of work. <laughs> but 
it sounds like trends maybe are being killed by the internet somehow. I wrote a piece in May last year for Vox arguing that I think there is as much trend manufacturing as there are trend reporting as a result of the fragmentation of the algorithm. Like people are getting specific content um, tailored to their desires, what they're interested in. And so as a result, we no longer have that kind of like top-down funnel from magazines telling us what's trending. So in a sense, I would argue that these top-down trends, I think, are dead. Not to invalidate trend forecasting or futurism as an industry, but I think Don't worry, that- she can't fight you. This is a video <laughs> conference. <laughs> but I think that the um, emergence of what we're calling trends aren't exactly trends or just kind of aesthetics that are being cycled through. And depending on what your, you know, for you page or your feed looks like, you can think that's a trend. But there is, I would argue, less and less of kind of a mainstream effect happening um, in which everyone is aware that certain genes are in or a certain cut of a top is in. Um, It's much more distributed and fragmented. Which is why I made up Sandwich Core. But I think some real ones are um, Coastal Grandma. Mm -hmm. Clown Core. Clown. Oh, my God. Yes. My favorite. (laughs) I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Please describe clown core. Clown core is exactly what it sounds like. So dressing with clownish inspiration. So like big colors. But I actually agree with what Terry is saying in that there is a lot of fake trends being created or I like more trends that exist online. And I did a recent report on this because fashion trends are not dead. They are still, in my opinion, they're still existing, but they're not the aesthetics that we're seeing. Those are not the real trends. The real trend, in my opinion, is at the bigger landscape, right? We're here seeing this popularization of trend forecasting, you know, as a point of conversation online. All these people are rising as trend forecasters. They're creating these aesthetics online. And many of these aesthetics only leave you online. If you think about it, you can't show up to work dressed like a clown. Simply. I'm so glad you said that because I was like, do I need to be into clown core? Like, do I need a nose? How does it work? Um, But uh, yeah, it feels like it would be bad if I tried. Right. I mean, I wish we could. Right. That would be fun. But it's just not it's it's there are more aesthetics that are made to have a moment online. They're meant to catch your attention online. And in my recent trend report, I call them more resembling to skins, like video game skins, than fashion trends. I see. So kind of you're online, Uh you're on some social media site, its recommendations are sending you down whatever fashion rabbit hole. And in a way, you're kind of trying on that like any other identity. Exactly. You know, like previously, you know, when you think about subcultures and like how aesthetics related to them, like punks, you know, like they had a whole ideology and reasons why. And politics. Exactly. Reasons why they followed a certain set of rules that allowed them to create multiple outfits. When you think about punk core today, on one side, you might dress punk core one day and coastal grandmother the next. And we're seeing that happening amongst consumers. And it doesn't really mean anything about what you really think. But also, these aesthetics that are being talked about, they're getting increasingly fragmented to a point where it's just an outfit, you know, like similar to a skin. Another aesthetic that was popularized on TikTok, ballet core, right? It's ballerina flats, leg warmers, a silk um, skirt. 
And if you want to, instead of keeping it so, you know, like pinkish and you want to add some like black tights and maybe they have a couple holes, that is not ballet core anymore. That is ballerina sleeves. You know, like it's not, it's not an aesthetic in that it has a set of rules that you can play with. They're just like single outfits that you can implement. I also think that the ease in which you can name something and create like nomenclature for it has Mm -hmm. given rise to this illusion that there are more trends. Everyone's essentially remixing clothes. And I really love that metaphor of treating your clothes as kind of video game skins. I also think the proliferation of clothing, like how easily accessible it can be to go on Amazon or on Google and search up ballerina core, ballerina sleeves, and immediately be able to order something online. I think that ease of purchase as well kind of allows for more opportunity for creativity for consumers. Like I think it's a really fun time to be a teenage girl who can wear whatever they want to school. When we come back, clickbait fashion, the economy, and why some weird cartoon-looking red boots had a moment online. People on Twitter were saying, nothing is real. Who cares? Just wear the big red boots, you know? This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your sleep number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So the big red boots are the reason we wanted to talk about fashion. And if you haven't seen them, they look like something straight out of a video game. Fat, flat, and cherry red. Like Super Mario Brothers red? Of course, in the amount of time it took for us to do this episode, the internet has mostly already moved on. But for a moment, the big red boots were a thing. They were absolutely everywhere. The hottest new fashion trend making waves right now online. Yeah, we're talking about Mischief's big red boots, which all kinds of celebrities... And Ever since they went on sale for 350 bucks and sold out in minutes, fashionistas can't shut up about the big red boots. They were made by this company called Mischief. Um, they're an art collective, and they're known for making viral items. What I think is interesting is the whole conversation that came out 
of that viral moment and what that means about us and how we're consuming clothes. I met someone wearing those boots and they told me they could not go down the stairs because they were going to fall. Like they, they're like very, <laughs> very hard to wear. Um, they're not really meant to be worn. They're more of an art piece, but we're wearing them for that viral moment where they, 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 wearing those boots exists online. And that says a lot about us. I personally am just really shocked people would buy from Mischief because the name itself suggests they're like a conceptual group and they're making money off of, you know, your desire to wear something that is in the viral outrage cycle. So it, obviously it makes sense that you can't walk in them. They're not a fashion company. That was not the goal of the product. It was intended to spur this cycle. Things are starting to become muddy. People on Twitter were saying, nothing is real. Who cares? Just wear the big red boots, you know? And even Mischief, when they were talking about the boots, they were saying that how, you know, they wanted to create an abstraction that frees us from the constraints of reality. And that's why they were opting for cartoonishness. Well, it worked if you can't walk down the stairs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but it shows... But I understand what you're saying, because the visual of them, it almost looked like they were painted onto people's feet or something when you looked at the image. I feel like it challenges the idea of functionality. If you're buying clothes to wear online, do they need to be functional? And that's kind of the challenge that, that the Big Red Boots brought along. I'm not buying the Big Red Boots, but as an art piece, as a conversation starter of where we're going as consumers, I think it's pretty brilliant. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of a fan. You know, I want to ask you then about clickbait fashion, because it sounds like this is a, a concept that is a consequence of the trends you guys are talking about, a consequence of the effect of both not just the Internet democratization of kind of trends, trend analysis, but also the algorithms of social media companies um, helping to make things viral. So, Terry, start by just defining what is clickbait fashion. Yeah, clickbait fashion is this term I um, borrowed from Harper's Bazaar fashion director, Rachel Tashian. She's a great fashion journalist, but essentially it describes the kinds of clothes that you would wear essentially to show off online. Or these clothes are very flashy online. They look a certain way. They're kind of gimmicky, as Augustina mentioned, or they're, um, they're just not really well made, too. Right. So they're just good enough for your Instagram photo. They're flat. Yeah. I think a good way to think about it is they they, they operate better in two-dimensional settings on a screen versus in a three-dimensional setting when you're seeing them worn by a person walking by you on the street. Yeah. What's driving it? Who's perpetrating it? Is it regulars? <laughs> is it the fashion world? Who's jumping on that train? I really think it's both. But I, I think Axenia mentioned earlier that fashion companies, you know, houses no, feel like they're no longer as relevant on the runway or hold the same sway over uh, magazines. And so they kind of need something um, to grasp consumers' attentions. And so they're kind of increasingly turning to more conceptual gimmicks. I think it's really interesting to see houses create clothes that just look like they're intended to be seen on a screen. They're not really wearable. They don't really make sense for you to go out on a night on the town. Um, it, in fact, some of these clothes, um, the high fashion clothes, might be really, really uncomfortable to wear. I think something that I thought of 
is kind of clickbait fashion-y, but also kind of trendy, is the Miu Miu um, mini skirt. And it's so, it's almost like a tiny piece of fabric. Right. It, it, and, but all the write-ups about it are like, guess what, everyone? The yeah. early aughts mini skirt is back. Yeah. Uh, and then you see it. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like, ugh. It's very unwearable. Yeah. Very deeply, deeply. I mean, it is wearable by some people. The, these are like micro, micro mini skirts, you know, like, like we, just barely, like, there's a leaf. Yeah. And then exactly. there's the Mew Mew mini skirt. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> is there anything to take away from? Again, pandemic legacy as well, or this economic moment as well, that you think is contributing to some of the fashion trends, microtrends, clickbait that we're seeing. I feel like it's more reflected in sort of the prices that we've reached over the past decade with clothes. If you look at the consumer price index increasingly for the past two decades, clothes have kind of bottomed out, which is really shocking. Uh, If you go on any fast fashion site, you can get anything for, you know, $2, $3. And it's fascinating because I think people can keep purchasing as a result of that. There are different levels to fashion, right? You can buy a white t-shirt and one can cost $7.99 and one can cost $179.99. And as inflation affects us um, in different ways, right? Some people are suffering in this economy more than others. What is happening on that kind of wealthy end? Like, how do you show or or signal your wealth in an era when clothing cost so little? Um, clothes that are well-designed and look good in real life, essentially. It's really interesting how the wealthy always want to kind of separate themselves aesthetically from the masses. And historically, they've been able to do that by having access to the top designers' works immediately. And I think during that era when more designers were pandering towards Instagram audiences, that was kind of like a mind shift for them. But I think we are now seeing, you know, more tactile clothing, clothes that look and feel good and use high-end fabrics that can't really be replicated, um, you know, by Shein or like by Zara. I agree with that. I mean, the prices of higher end fashion products are actually going up for many houses, right? Like there was many headlines talking about how different designers are increasing the prices of bags. So there is a divide. There is kind of a different reality that people are living in the in the higher end. And what I'm seeing is that where the higher end houses are pushing for more minimalistic designs and the aesthetics of, you know, austerity and maybe not not something as flashy. On the other hand, when it comes to like the mass market, we're seeing the aesthetics of chaos, right? Like the aesthetics of chaos. Oh my goodness. That's so great. Yeah. It's scary to let go of what you have because you don't know if you can buy it again, you know? Um, When the economy goes better, you can't afford to throw things. So these aesthetics of chaos are being marketed to the more mass market consumer. And that's why we're seeing a lot of imagery in fashion having that chaotic look. Like we're seeing messy rooms, you know, in editorials. So broke people are having the aesthetics of chaos and then all the wealthy people are, what, going to minimalism? Well-made clothes with no labels, but more expensive than my house. There was this other trend forecaster on TikTok um, that that called this recession core, which... 
recession core. It's, We're there. Of course, right? But I think there's something interesting to say in the fact that wealthier individuals are showing up with less jewelry, more muted clothes in the in the red carpets, because during times of difficulty, you don't want to be the person that is showing off. You know, there's people that are saying that flex culture is gone because do you want to be flexing? Do you want to be a Kardashian showing all your worth when people are going through a hard time? Yeah, I think it's really interesting how there was this, um, I, I don't remember, it's like a phrase on TikTok, but it was talking about like quiet luxury or something about how wealth whispers, but like money talks. I, I don't think they've truly abandoned that. I think also the aesthetics of chaos is a really funny proposition and a great <laughs> buzzword. I think it also embodies how there are so many reference points and people are free to let go of their clothes um, and they're making do with a lot of different things that might not really fit into their closet. Uh, I, I just really think this point in time that we're living in, it's really peak remix culture. Like anything really goes. You can walk down the street and photograph, like in New York, you can photograph people. I, like I look at those fashion pages all the time and you're not really sure what era we're in. Um, our aesthetics are all over the place. Agustin, I think you are actually, the way you look right now, you're, what does it say on your hat? <laughs> I love the hat. Being in the club too long is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and this oversized collar shirt, button at the top. It's actually two button-ups sewn together. Um, okay. So if you look at the back, there's another button-up. There is another button-up. <laughs> um, and a kind of blush-toned uh, owl-eye glasses. Mm-hmm. And to me, th this is a little bit of the now look, a little bit chaotic. Yeah. A little bit, is that formal or not formal or deeply informal? It's, yeah. It's giving me Gen Z vibes. It is giving Gen Z. I'm aware. And, I, and as you were saying that, I thought, wow, you know, <laughs> I am really, <laughs> really doing that. Um, the aesthetics of chaos are are a little bit in, you know, and, and as we are becoming saturated of this categorization of style, we're seeing more and more people trying to break up those like aesthetics, you know. So that's what I was trying to do here when I dressed this morning, um, just to feel like I have a little bit more agency of what I'm wearing. You know, I don't know if other people feel the same way. Terry, for you, what role do forecasters have? What role do people such as yourselves, right, who are kind of writing uh, about the business of all of this? What role do you have going forward? For me, as sort of a writer and a critic, I think it's really important to contextualize and show that the talk of trends and sort of the feeling that they're everywhere um, or the feeling that there's too much trend commentary. I think it's fascinating that a, kind of a similar thing occurred in the 80s with the rise of MTV and this like new popular video format. TikTok is still a relatively new media format and a way to engage um, consumers, kind of similarly in disruption to MTV. And I think um, in the mid to late 80s, there was a sort of fervor that there was just so much commentary and aesthetics. And I think we're kind of seeing a similar resurgence right now. Um, so I think this work is really interesting because you're thinking ahead of what's going to happen. But it's important to zoom out and take a big macro look at these things. And for a lot of trends, we simply just don't know until, you know, a year or maybe five years down the line. And again, I don't think this idea of like trends are dead. Maybe we have confused the idea of a trend with trending, right? Like something might be trending, but it's not. 
a trend. That trend is is a slow movement that affects more than just like why the, the single piece of item, the single clothes that you're trying to wear. It's much bigger than that. By the time this airs, what sleaze, core, uh, I don't know what kind of trend do you think will have emerged? I'm already seeing people talk about business core. like Business core. Yeah, or corporate core as like, you know, like how in the runway there's a lot of corporate looking outfits happening, you know, a lot of like button ups and ties. But again, that's just an one that's outfit, just you know, like a button up on a tie. Like that's how not... we dress when we go to the office. That's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> business core. <laughs> and maybe even some business sleaze. Oh, my God. Someone. Patent that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was Augustina Panzoni, head of trends for media company Death to Stock. She's also the creator behind At the Algorithm on TikTok. That's algorithm spelled with a Y instead of an I. We also heard from journalist and culture critic Terry Nguyen. She's a senior staff writer at Dirt. Now, you can find links to everything you heard today in the program description. That's it for this episode of The Assignment. And if you have an assignment for us, you can give us a call and leave us a voicemail at 202-854-8802 or record a voice memo on your phone and you can email that to us at theassignment, all lowercase, at cnn.com. The Assignment is a production of CNN Audio. Our producers are Madeline Thompson, Jennifer Lai, Lori Galaretta, Carla Javier, and Dan Bloom. Our associate producers are Soke Samuel and Allison Park. Thanks to Sonia Tun for help on this week's episode. Our senior producers are Matt Martinez and Haley Thomas. Mixing and sound design by David Shulman. Dan DeZula is our technical director. Steve Lichtai is our executive producer. Special thanks to Katie Hinman. I'm Audie Cornish, and thank you for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.